0: Welcome back. This is Acolytes of Merlin. We are your hosts, John. And Johnny. And uh, we are going to be starting um, the behemoth of a series known as Wheel of Time this episode. Um, I am a, a relatively veteran reader, though not as many as much as some. Um, but uh, Johnny is a new time uh, reader and he's uh, experiencing this for the first time. Ooh. So we're going to figure out what how he thinks about it.
1: Yeah, I've you could say I've been putting this off for a little while. It's kind of I've, I've known it at some point. This is one of the only major fantasy series that one of the only major fantasy series that I haven't read. And I was kind of thinking, all right, well, I, I should probably. And I, I've been putting it off because I wanted to be able to read it from start to finish. Because I'd started it. I read Eye the World in like high school, I think. And it was kind of, I enjoyed it, but I was kind of like, you know, I, I'm really not ready to, like, commit to how many books were out at the time.
0: Um, I, yeah, that, that would have been... It would, have been, would around, have
1: been around Sanderson starting.
0: Yeah, so so we're talking 11, and, and you think there might be one more book, but there were three more books, actually. <laughs> <laughs> there are 14 books in this bad boy. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm curious um, how... Like the, the, the major thing I'm curious about is I came to this... I started it um, at the beginning of high school. And it was... I really didn't have um, any other serious epic fantasy behind that. So this was my foray into oh, epic, epic fantasy. And I didn't okay. really have um, something to measure it against. So can, when I just when you started... Uh, reading this series, um, you're, you're comparing it to, you know, the Joseph Campbell's The Hero's Journey and pretty much like dozens of other stories that you've right. read and you're giving it, you know, you know arguably needed critiques on the, on the structure and I'm just sitting here like, but it was just, it was just the fantasy for me. Um, so it's very alien to be having to think about, oh, it's, it's somehow not above other series. You know what I mean? It's Wait, not. Wait, it, you no, know, that is. So, oh, I, yes, I see what you're saying. It's, it's you know, not like it's, the default. I'm, I'm sitting here like, how can.
1: What? <laughs> how yes, dare you're, you? You're, you're like, what, what do you mean? What do you mean Robert Jordan's not the second coming? <laughs> <laughs> um, Or the fifth, or sixth, or seventh, or eighth, or ninth, or tenth, or whatever number Rand is. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, okay. Yeah, but no, go ahead. You had.
0: Well, I was just going to uh, try to introduce you because I'd like you to take the the helm of this uh, episode and the series in general. Um, uh, but you basically uh, you you didn't start out terribly enthusiastic going through this. This was your uh, n- kind of a second read. Um, yeah, I I'd... take us through your thoughts as you were moving through it. Well, uh,
1: okay, so I like I said, I'd read I the world before, so. I kind of remembered vague things. In fact, I remember one time we were, like, hanging out somewhere, and we were kind of talking about it, and I was comparing it to Eye of the World for the first time I had read it, and a few thoughts I had... I remembered... the oh, I remember, like, Rand and Tam, his dad, right? It's Tam. Yeah. He's he's only mentioned a few times Mm -hmm. after they leave. But, um... So he... I remember them walking. I remember the... I remember the attack on Eamon's Field... And then I remember, I remembered Shadarlo Goth, but I remember kind of thinking that it was slow and drawn out. And then I remembered a little bit of Camelin, and then I remember, like, the fight being cool at the end, and, like, being excited for the second one, because I, I, I didn't remember, like, the final Moraine POV, but, but that was what it was to go they're leading into the second book and he's the Dragon Reward
0: mm-hmm. type of thing. <laughs> it's based, confirming what we already suspected yes. at the end of that book. Yeah. yeah. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I think that's the... We talked about Eye the, of the World and Wheel of Time in general the first time we ever really talked. Yes, yes. That's um, kind of cool.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I'm trying to think of other... Th- so, well... I guess we can kind of start, the first thing I would kind of like to talk about topic-wise is just the Eamon's Field se- the Eamons Field section, and this is not going to be a Wheel of Time Lord of the Rings comparison podcast for the next year, or however long it takes us to get through these books, but there are a lot of similarities, and Jordan was influenced by Tol- Tolkien a lot, uh, and c- kind of more specifically, I think, in this book, and more in this section, the Eamon Field section, than a lot of the other, than when, as you get progressed further on. But Eamon Field is kind of your Shire section of the book. It's kind yep. of your, and to go with the Joseph Campbell route, like
0: this is the kind of catalyst that kind of... Um, yeah, the Shire, the Shire, Field being pre-catalyst. Yes, yes,
1: yeah. This is your like norm. This is your like norm. Um, th- this is your norm, kind of before the uh, adventure ever kind of starts. And so I, I, I was thinking in my head, all right, this is the we ha- in order to get to the cool to the Council of Rivendell and all the cool stuff that happens there, mm-hmm. we have to get through the Shire and all the like. <laughs> And them walking through cornfields and, like, that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it wasn't like it's – and it's I think it's – the Shire is more uh, – it's more, well, detailed and stuff, but
0: – What the, the Shire is? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, there's more detail with yeah. yeah. the Shire. Just yeah, cause of, yeah, just cause of how It's a school. whole other culture as opposed to this, which is kind of really – just backwoods well, and it's funny
1: because even you get later absolutely. on I, I think this is an eye of the world where like everyone they the Eamon's feel is almost they don't really see themselves as part of Andor right and no that, no absolutely and, and whereas everyone else in Andor is like oh you're just a little town on the outskirts of our like big country whereas like the Hobbits who hasn't
0: seen a tax man in right, however long right
1: whereas, whereas Hobbits would be kind of all, like well we're hobbits. We don't interact with anybody else, and everybody else would be like, "Yeah, we don't really interact with hobbits either." Mm-hmm. The Shire is kind of like its own thing, <laughs> right? Um, yeah, but I do think that the 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 cattle the catalyst or the kind of call to adventure uh, that's ca- that's kind of the big Joseph Campbell
0: part of this is when Field gets attacked. Mm-hmm. Um uh, I would like to say a little bit about the first section yeah, for first ahead. before we move into that. Um because when I was reading the series the first time, I was on like it ha I, because it does take 147 uh 47 pages to leave Eamon's field. Right. But within that 147 pages is the catalyst of the attack of the Trollocs. Yes. Um mm-hmm. so it's it's everything really before that that's um the sort of uneventful stuff, and it's the first four chapters. And I remember thinking in chapter, at the beginning of chapter four being like, that's three chapters of really nothing going on. So I, so I was mm-hmm. really uh, w- waiting for it to go along too. But I think your comment of us like having to get through it is more of a like, yeah, we, we don't like it in the moment, but it establishes something for Rand and the others to lose. Absolutely. And le- and let me kind of,
1: uh, kind of on that point, uh, you had mentioned kind of how this is like after having read a lot of these different fantasy stories that I've read before that m- my, my point of reference is kind of like knowing where we're knowing that we are going to some big story my kind of patience is kind of like our my. I, I I'm needing to remind myself to be a little patient mm-hmm. with some of with some of the kind of with some of the with this section I guess in particular,
0: um, but, uh, anyways. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um. But I think I guess my point is that um, it's not a for it to take um, 147 pages or however long the first four chapters is isn't of failing on Jordan's part as much as it is on our part, sort of, for not, you know, being as, like, open to it taking that long. No, I, I, I absolutely not a failure on Jordan's part.
1: I would mm-hmm. never, like, I mean, th- this, it, there are, all right, so there's there's two kind of types of way. well, not, I guess, I don't want to, I don't want to use uh, absolutes, <laughs> but um, th- there's usually two kind of types of ways to introduce this type of story. There's the Lord of the Rings shire, or like shire, or this type, and then there's your. Without going into it, Game of Thrones, you go, to, you enter chapter one. Here is the entire cast and all of your main characters for the story. They are going to interact as if you have known them for like five books. Get used to it, <laughs> and so, with with this series, jo- Jordan t- and there are pros and cons to both. There are pluses and minuses to both, but this is just kind of the the method that Jordan took. And since a lot of our characters start out younger, like Re- or more specifically, Re- or the ones at least going through the. I'll say Joseph Campbell, R. Grand, Matt, Perrin, Gwaine. Uh You kind of do need, you at least need to have certain characters or some sort of starting point that is smaller in scale and that kind of mm-hmm. introductory type stuff.
0: Yeah, and the Starks are that in a way for mm-hmm. for Game of Thrones, but the Song of Ice and Fire, but the, the difference is that um, they don't have as much of a n- monopoly on it um, because no. you meet the Lannister's roughly, for instance very early and they mm-hmm. turn out to be as as much not even close to as much main characters as the starks are y- yes yeah yeah i, de- I would definitely as well just
1: especially as you get later on in the series when without going again not a comparison podcast but later on in the series when you see no like lack of stark or certain characters for several books and whatnot um and for without reason, other than I didn't have room to put them in the book. <laughs> but
0: oh, that, That's never going to happen here. Wow.
1: <laughs> and, and admittedly, knowing that, as you have referred to it, that Dead Zone is eventually coming, I, I have fully braced myself and, like, kind of locked myself into committing to i will get through those i'm getting pushing through those books that people don't enjoy reading in this series <laughs> when i reach that point
0: as discussed before i'm reading um stormlight archive as he's reading wheel of time um and i expect to have more time to catch up as he's getting through book 10 <laughs> <laughs> right. this series yes <laughs>
1: yeah for all, everyone that's read the wheel of time that's probably laughing at me right now or laughing at what john said that's kind of really making fun of me knowing the (laughs) the mud or whatever i'm going to be slogging through at
0: (laughs) well i only say that because you move so much faster than me right now well (laughs) yes but (laughs) okay so so uh, let's let's get back to the um the uh the catalyst because you were starting to say something about the attack
1: Oh, yeah, so, well, so you get, I, I'm not going to use this as, Jordan, Jordan, Joseph Campbell as a template, but you get kind of the meeting the mentor, who in this case is Moraine, and the catalyst for the call to adventure, which is the Trolloc attack, in kind of the same sequence, because Moraine shows up, um, and that, and then kind of almost immediately after you have kind of the Trolloc attack, which kind of forces Rand and per- Well, Rand really at this point, because he's really, he's the only character for most of the book that we get a POV from. mm mm-hmm. uh, Yeah, for most. Um, and so he's kind of the, the it's kind of the catalyst when Moraine says, no, like, you guys are in trouble. We need to leave. And so then you have the resistance to the call for adventure when they're kind of like, no, I don't want to go, like, I'm just going to stay in Eamon's field. And Roraine's like, well, no, if you don't leave, you're going to die.
0: <laughs> yeah. And then they're all like, okay, fine, we'll, we'll go with you. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then you get into this um, very, we'll say, long-running problem of whether or not they can trust her.
1: Yes, and so, th- well, yes, yeah. So I guess we can go into that. No, I was. It's funny because everyone, on that note of trusting Moraine, almost every single person that we initially meet has this whole thing about you can't trust the ayatollah, like mm-hmm. which, all, which which, which is points to
0: a cultural thing. Yes,
1: yes, which is kind of like an interesting, I would say, misunderstanding. But from their perspective, it's kind of like, well, you had these mysterious women, and at this. point and it, it is only women <laughs> uh women who show up uh and can do these magical things and while they're as they say like they're i forget well i forget when it's like revealed that they
0: like can't can't lie that's yeah i but, it, it, i think it's in this book
1: yeah it's it, I, I know um, it's mentioned because everything's at least mentioned in this book which it's is fun. kind
0: of ironic but at the same time not because due to their um it's, it's pretty easy to tell from Moran's whether you, uh, uh, as a reader, um, wholly trust her or not. Um, it's clear from the way she speaks that the effect of this rule, which is, as you know it at this point in time, um, of the uh, Aya Sedai to never lie, yes. is that... They kind of lie. Yes, right, yes. They lie as much as they possibly can.
1: Yes, like basically every, like everything they,
0: not everything, but they, they are manipulators. Which rightly leads to mistrust. Right. Um, Even though on the surface it's ironic because, yes. they, can, because they can't directly lie. Yes. Um, now it's interesting because at the same
1: time Moraine's goal is just I want to save the world from the Dark One, but they're, like, Matt, Matt and Nynaeve being the two big like, naysayers of the, Nynaeve, well, Nynaeve
0: really, her whole arc so far is basically marine mm-hmm. but <laughs> Right. Um, and the, and Matt and Nynaeve are especially um, abhorrent to um, string pulling. Yes. Matt's a very you know, mm-hmm. in, independent. I mean, they all, the, all, they yeah, all are, all... but Matt is most outspokenly so of the boys, probably.
1: And Yeah, and that's kind of his his main characterization in the beginning is kind of like he's the mischief maker that always gets Rand and Perrin to go along with
0: his antics. Mm-hmm. And then Naini being the youngest wisdom in a long time, um, is always feeling the overbearingness of older women um, in the women's circle. So her having this problem with Warren is not surprising in the slightest. Oh,
1: yeah. yes. Yeah. So and, and there, there's, I mean, it, the way I read it comes down, because of that it comes down to Nynaeve is insecure with this woman that is on, well, she receives as well. She's just on my level... Like and think she's above me, even though she really does, is kind of, for all intents and purposes, uh, or she above Nynaeve in, mm-hmm. in pretty much every way. Like she's what Nynaeve kind of wants to be, but because she is because she be because she makes more Nynaeve not in charge
0: that makes Nynaeve not happy. <laughs> it also doesn't help that all said have a habit of calling non-Aya child.
1: <laughs> yes! <laughs> yes, and kind of with the whole... I would imagine, like you were saying, with the whole youngest wisdom in a long time thing... Rubs the wrong way. Yes.
0: Life.
1: Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, she, al- she already has that kind of insecurity or kind of fighting that... Um, fighting that... Image with the older pe- women and uh, men in the image field. Um, yes. Do you want to talk about the? Uh, well, do you have anything else to say on that? No, no. Do you want to talk about the prologues? So we totally didn't even.
0: Sure. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. Um, I, I read it a little bit uh, in preparation for this, mm-hmm. um, and was able to fill in uh, many blanks you know that I hadn't when I was when I either wasn't paying attention to it I was just glossing through it or when I didn't know many of the much of the terminology that was being used right um but it it's it's, it's really explosive and a really tragic story right off the bat yes. which is really great um but in, in other ways it's uh, having read other prologues now mm-hmm. it's there are parts of it there that, that are very standard fare especially after having read the beginning of Stormlight,
1: yep, Stormlight, yep, yeah, yeah, yeah. The for the the f main purpose being to foreshadow something that's to come. Mm-hmm. Um, but I real I thought it was really cool. Well, it's just a really kind of badass sequence in a tragic way. Mm-hmm. Like as you see them, because it's loose there and, and but, well.
0: And and the and the the betrayer of hope um, is
1: that I don't know if he I'm not gonna I don't I I believe I don't want to say anything but he I'm trying to remember yeah exactly how they refer to him in the in the actual yeah betray he just calls him betrayer of hope
0: I think call black clad man yeah I don't Um, I think
1: that's the only name the betrayer yeah yeah, that's the only name the betrayer of hope yeah. yeah, so I, I liked... Uh, immediately, you're kind of thrown in... Also
0: called Elan Morin.
1: Okay. Huh. So,
0: yeah. Um. Yeah, Once so, I was called Elan Morin, uh, Tedronai, but now Betrayer of Hope. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, so you immediately get thrown... And who's Theron Talamon is the,
1: uh, the dragon. Yes. Yeah, and so you immediately get thrown into this. All right, well loose there, and it, because the scene is basically, it opens up, he's in, it's like the mansion, right? Yes. Yeah, so he's in this mansion, and, like... Presumably his. Yeah, yeah, you presume his, and, like, it it opens, and then he's, the whole, there's all this destruction that had happened, and he happens upon this woman, who, (coughs) excuse me, I would then, I'm guessing is his wife, lover we we All learn right. we and learn
0: is Ilyena, um, who is his love, whatever yeah, that is. His love, yeah. And yeah. and then his everything.
1: Yeah. And so it presumably he had and so then the Betray of Hope shows up. It was interesting that he had at least from my perspective, when I was reading that, I was like, All right, so clearly per the betrayer of hope's kind of how he talks, Luce Theron had gone crazy and like kinda of just destroyed everything using magic or the one power as
0: mm-hmm. and destroys himself um yeah
1: yes yeah yeah and, and then literally at the end destroys himself when he mm-hmm. like creates the vol-
0: the like volcano or yep. dragon mount yeah yeah, the, yeah yeah the mountain and nearby the island yeah <laughs> <Okay>. yes <laughs> uh, so I thought yeah I'm not I think it's just a really I,
1: I like it as a prologue I mean I it's uh, it's just it's a really cool sequence demonstrating things that people in this world can do um, we don't see the one power used on that well we don't see it used much on that level in this book until really the end but other but it, it is kind of it was neat to see what people are capable of doing. In, like with all of that, even though you don't obviously, you don't really get a whole lot of context yet. Uh, which yeah. will I'm guessing come later. <laughs> oh, it all it all comes later. It all comes later.
0: This is, um, so was your? Uh, do you remember? Because you're at um, you're in the middle of book four now. Yes. Let's kind of, you know, just say that. Um, what was? Do you remember who your favorite character was at the f- finishing this one? D- um, definitely,
1: Parrot yeah yeah definitely Perrin and, and I so the reason for that is the main are the only Piltland you, you get in this book do we get Egwene at all
0: no, I forget yeah no, so it's we get, just we get Rand, Rand Perrin and, and then the Moraine at the end and Nynaeve um, um yeah, because right. because they're she's yeah. uh, she and Lan and Moraine are a group under themselves so they need a POV and they choose he cho- uh, Jordan chooses Nynaeve to do that that's right um and then, um, and then lose Theron <laughs> the Well, yes, yeah, yeah, then lose Theron at
1: the beginning. Um, I, what I liked about Perrin is that he, he had the most specific characterization of every, of anyone, like, so far. Uh, he's very, very, out the gate, his first point of view, you get his, his internal monologue saying, all right, well, like, I forget the exact, because it's, it's in Shadar Goth, and he's, or, right, either... Yeah, it's inter Goth Gotham. He's t- parents t- saying to himself, like, well... Like, they they kind of think that I'm slow, like, dumb. But, like, really, it's I'm just, like... I'm making sure that I think through everything. And everything that I... My actions have to be intentional. Because, basically, I'm this big, buff-looking dude. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to hurt anybody. Right. And that was a... Re- I really like that characterization... Because it, it kind of played on the like the like it in it, it almost makes me think in, in a different story, Perrin would be like I don't want to say the thug or the goon, but like he would be like the muscle. And that would be that would be his character. And, and right. in a in a lesser story, Perrin Perrin would be the muscle.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. Um go ahead. That characterization, yeah. O- only only Flowers, only, only uh, yes. blossoms. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it, it only goes good places. Um, at this
1: point in the series, who, well, uh, I don't know if you really would be able to enter this because you've, because um, I, I, I would probably wouldn't be able to have entered this about Stormlight when I, like right now, but who at this point ish would you say your favorite
0: character is? Well, as I've said before, um, it's especially, and this was especially true, you know in my younger years um it's not as a reader i don't tend to be character centered i'm all whole whole Mm -hmm. experience centered Mm -hmm. um so it it probably would have just been ran because Mm -hmm. that's who jordan was telling me to focus on that makes Um, sense
1: yeah because especially in this book as far as like looking at the whole picture that's most of the pictures through Rand, especially in
0: this book, mm-hmm. yeah. So that makes sense. As a um, young young lad, you know, l- looking at girls quite often, and stuff, <laughs> um, it Rand Rand uh, and Egwene felt like very like the the closest thing to what was going on in my life.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's fair. Actually, they were, they were probably relatively close to like their their high school age i i I think he says at some point explicitly what age they are but it's i think of them as 18 yeah like late late so late to like end of high school um although they in some ways they well i guess this is kind of this is me ascribing modern or like our Cultural norms, but they s- some in some ways they act like they're younger than that, and in other ways they act like they're older.
0: I agree because I was just thinking about how. Um, one thing I think I can say safely is that not a lot of time passes in this series. Interesting. Okay. And that means com- that if if these characters are starting at eighteen. They, their, the culmination of their arcs is in their very early twenties to yeah. early twenties. And I'm just thinking of what, you know, they go through and who they're, you know, written to be by that point. And I'm thinking these are, these are, these are end of college people. Yeah. So that, that just seems so young that's, to me at this point.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, that's, I mean, I, I obviously am nowhere near the end of, their arcs but that's interesting to note like thinking about where i like where i am as someone in their mid-20s but uh, well,
0: you know like, rob from uh true from well Ga- game, of, game of, Th- of thrones is 15 uh,
1: every ball well, i martin almost makes a point everyone in i, I almost think game of Thrones or song of ice and fire is a little different because Everyone is very pointedly much younger. Well, in the case of the child, the the child characters, everyone is much younger than you would. Then is like much younger than
0: you would think. Than the show, certainly yeah. The well, sure, cer- yeah,
1: certainly than the show. Um, and, yeah. And, and, and in fact, I almost kind of think that in the, I almost kind of like that they age them up in the show because some of the things that.
0: Again, not oh they could yeah they couldn't avoid doing that yeah um but it's it's I mean and in, in terms of Martin it's a good commentary on saying how they, it's a commentary on the world saying how this world effectively ages everybody yes 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 um whereas this isn't this series isn't as aggressively doing that
1: no but no because J- Jordan and Martin are very they're very different in their approach to. How how the environment and world affects their
0: characters? Mm Yeah, Uh, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. There is no, um, there's not not really uh, arcs where like they're just trying to uh, going along and just and trying to survive. I mean, I guess that's that's what they are doing in this book. Yeah, yeah, Um, they they are doing that. But. those who, you know, stick around, um, are like, are destined for greater things. So they're yes more inclined to be, be older. That yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Um,
1: one kind of thing on the kind of on, on kind of while we're on this age type like topic of like character ages, so Moraine has a conversation with Wayne It's about at one point, it's they're in the woods, and it's about the one power. Yeah, it's in the cave. Yeah, uh, or the cave. Yeah, yeah, yeah the, yeah. the cave. They're they're on their way to. I think that's when they're still on their way to um, Barillon, right?
0: Barillon? Yeah, ber- yeah. If it is on, yeah, on the way to Barillon. Yeah, and so yeah, here we go. Yeah.
1: And yeah, if you have any quotes do you want to pull from that, but it's well, what do
0: you? What were you thinking about it?
1: Oh no! Well, so basically, that whole conversation, Moraine is telling Egwene. You know, they're. Being able to use the one power, it, um, it, it you'll experience some changes in kind of yourself and some things that like and like I will kind of help guide you. I can help guide you through those changes and like if you come to um, the White Tower with me, then I can then like you can better learn to help with these changes even more. And this is I, I don't. Know this is a specific metaphor he was going for, but it is that conversation does seem kind of like a metaphor for kind of puberty, the kind of puberty and adolescent type growth.
0: Um, you are or, very close to your change, your first touching. It will be better if I guide you through it.
1: Yes, and so kind of thinking of, say, Egwene is. Seventeen or eighteen when this happens, it's kind of like you—you'd almost think that. Egwene, you'd think she'd be aged down like six or seven years, for that for for puberty for sure. for, for puberty. Yeah, yes, yeah, for... yeah. I mean, not obviously not that Jordan was directly ascribing that metaphor, but it is kind of a. Um, I mean, Egwene's not the only one that like goes through that type of journey, and like Matt and. Perrin and Rand all go through similar, and not as, at least for Parent and Matt, not like with the one power as the metaphor for it, but those kind of adolescent type uh, things of moving from childhood to adulthood, or young adulthood, uh, and so it's just interesting. It's coming of age. Yeah, com- yeah, yeah, coming of age.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, that that I felt that in that section um, because what the way that Rand is going through it is that he doesn't want this girl who's in in a traditionalist way like you've been promised to him right. to be like. Right. Growing up, yep, yeah, which in the dark corner of our minds is a very relatable thing. You know, if we have people around us that are, are changing, changing yeah. then we are mm. sca- we get scared of our own change.
1: Yeah, because like, well, if this person's like graduating from or no longer in X, like, like that. Little sibling or friend that was like always, always the younger one is now all of this. I mean, obviously, like the difference that this is Egwene's, like, like the girl that he was, thought he was going to marry and whatnot. Um, if they're cha- if they're like graduating or reaching a certain life milestone, and and kind if of we kind of think, oh, that's that's I, I don't know how I feel about reaching about like being that far distance from this life milestone. Exactly.
0: Example. Yeah. I, I felt that very strongly and he, he didn't even need this uh, Jordan didn't need to spell all that out for me to get that at 16. Yeah, I, yeah I, yeah I, I didn't
1: I didn't quite get that when I that's kind of specific thought when I was reading it, but I definitely that's definitely kind of what he's doing with the whole that whole kind of coming of age thing. Um. Yeah. Uh. While we're still talking about kind of characters, I'll I'll kind of shift back to Perrin for a minute. Do, mm-hmm. we, do we want to talk about some wolf stuff now? Sure. Uh. So I thought this is this is kind of a.
0: You'll have to remind me the specifics of the wolf stuff, which I kind of remember as a. Sort of just larger, uh, Dr. Doolittle type of thing,
1: yeah. That's that's kind of like it's that's kind of what it is, as is presented in this book. So, Perrin starts being able to, he starts dreaming about wolves and then he starts hearing their thoughts. And then he meets Elias Elias, is that how you pronounce
0: it? I, I say Elias El- Elias, yeah. Elias. Um, and the wolves always felt so random to me This is. i was just like but it, well it's that's weird it's it's like one animal it's just it, you it, have like the one power yes and you know it, it, legends and, and then wolves
1: that yeah and this is i definitely agree with that my asterisk when i was kind of thinking like why wolves specifically is that knowing how much of the story I have left, I know that there's... Well, at least right now, I'm trusting that Jordan... That there is a reason that Jordan chose wolves or something that he's, like, saying with that. Um, I'm sure we'll obviously be revisiting this. <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, but, okay. yeah, uh, yeah I, I did have similar thoughts of, oh, this is random, but I kind of... I didn't... Give a whole lot of credence to those thoughts, uh, because I was, again, at this point, trusting that Jordan had a that Jordan has a plan for that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, uh, for sure. But I do like, uh, but in now since it is random though, I do like that it's diff I, I mean, I not that I I don't want to say I don't like it, but it I like and. I guess we'll say don't like that it's different than the one power. Uh, Well, I'll say I don't like... Oh, you don't like. Well, well, okay, that's not, I guess, the way I should phrase it. I'll say it feels kind of... It makes Perrin feel kind of secondary to the characters that can use the one power. But at the same time, when you get, I think, Elias kind of saying, well, it's older than the one power, it's kind of like, oh, well, that's kind of cool because right. it's like it's not that that makes him unique, and that he's not determined. He's not his his arc is not going to be the same. It, while it, it obviously everyone's arc is tied into the battle against the dark one in some way, sure, it, it's not going to be as like Rand's arc of like, well, he can channel, so like. It's, let's learn how to use magic, or like all of anything with the ice. Said I. Well, it's like well, the, like anything with the one power that is much more directly tied to the Forsaken or uh, the Dark One as like the only antagonist that matters.
0: Right, um, and that's uh, that. That's true, uh, except as a segue. How it's um, really. Uh, refreshing that there is a force, and even in the first book, that is very explicitly not the Dark One, um, but is still not good.
1: Yes, Then <laughs> yes. that would
0: be um, oh, should I more or more or... Death and and, and Mashinar, Yeah.
1: Yes. Okay. So, just so that I make sure I have this straight in my head, more Death is the advisor to the once royal person in what was the name of her Eridal before, in Eridal mm-hmm. who basically became corrupt in Marshadar. How, how, oh, how, how do you pronounce
0: it? And Mashadar is the is the mist that runs through what's now Shadar Lagoth. Right,
1: which is kind of the embodiment of the evil that corrupts Morda.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Ish okay. That that sounds that sounds on on the mark. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Oh <laughs> uh, and I and so so I guess we can talk about Shadara. And then quick. and then
0: there's and then there's Machin Shin, um, who's in the ways. Um, oh the, wait, but, the Black uh, Wind. Yeah, the Black yeah. Wind, but uh Machin Shin was born from uh the taint. So I guess that's kind it's of kind of yeah it's anyway, kind of
1: so. yeah it's a kind of dark one but um yeah we can go let's talk about should I look it's not allied to the
0: dark well, one, well
1: no yeah because they're I don't think that well that's not I don't think that's in this book but yeah
0: it's
1: yeah it's uh, not allied with the dark one uh, or at least allied with like his minions. Um, So, yeah, it's interesting, because Shadarlo Goth, I remember on my first read-through thinking, "Ugh, like, this is really interesting, but they're here for so long, and they're not doing anything, and this is actually one of the sections that I enjoyed the most in this book, in this read-through, because it seemed, I really liked Jordan's writing in this section, kind of the, this, 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 well, well, I'll talk about Jordan's, we can all mention, talk about his waiting in general in a little bit, but the, the, I liked the, the descriptions in this section. I liked kind of the, especially once the Trollocs start attacking, uh, the tension between the, we'll say, our protag- the kind of three sides of that attack, our protagonists, the Fades and or Mergerall and the Trollocs and uh Mashadar. On mm-hmm. that, I really liked the tension that Jordan was able to weave with that. Where you have these kind of Mashadar wants to really just destroy everything, the Fades just want the Eamon's Field boys, and the protagonists just want to get out of Yeah, there. yeah
0: they, yeah, they didn't want nothing to do with the other two. You're right, it is more interesting than um the binary of, of predator and pre- predator and prey that had existed up to that point.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Cause up to that point, it's basically just, they're all, they're being chased by the Mergeral and the, the
0: Trollocs. Mm-hmm. And I, it's, it's fair to say that like the, there's, there's too much repetitiveness, um, both before Shadar LaGoth and after, um, when they're all together and hopping from city to city, and when Rand and Matt are um, hopping from village to village without the majority of the cast. Um, But the overall um, development of the the, uh, dynamic is is good because you have just chasing and being chased. And that's good because you're getting to see more than Eamon's field. Yes. Then you get mm-hmm. into Shadar LaGoth where you had the, that dynamic that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards, you know, Rand and Matt, um,
1: are they with Tom Merlin ends up going with them for a
0: while? Yes. Yeah, yeah. They're with, them. yeah, they're with him for yeah. a time before he, um, they leave him behind yeah. with the Mergell. Yes. Um, and, uh, but then, and even if you're like, oh, that's not introducing anything new, you have parents' point of view to, yes, with to the be new. And
1: then, uh, and then Nynaeve, uh, and then 90s as well. Because mm-hmm. she, wait, is she, she's with Moraine, is it just Moraine and Land? Yes. And Moraine, then, Nynaeve,
0: Moraine, Lan. Egwene and Perrin. And and Egwene. And then Rand, 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 Rand Land, Matt, and Tom. Tom. Yeah. Okay, right. Um, yeah, and I did... That's characters did you know there was originally a ninth
1: no
0: i don't know who i don't remember the name right oh you mean like, when, like he's on like when jordan
1: this, like when jordan was writing
0: it originally one on one of these covers um like on the inside here yeah i count nine characters there's a the, one of these characters was someone else which he eventually cut that's it, it you know, it's actually really funny that he cut
1: the character considering how many characters end up in the story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, like it, it, it is kind of, that is kind of funny. Um, no, that that's really interesting though because um, in this book you really only follow those core people. You don't really see a whole lot that's not, that you don't see a whole lot that's not Seen by those your main cast of characters. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, did, oh yeah, just what they're gonna point out uh, the the section that did the two sections that got kind of the most or the section that got the most long winded for me in this was when they were travel when the the section between Shadar LaGoth and K-Molin. Uh more specifically the Matt and like you had already said, the Matt and Rand stuff, where mm-hmm. while it was interesting to kind of see how they, how Matt and the, the different ways that Dark Friends uh, tried to attack Matt and Rand, it was definitely a dynamic of, and now they're going to move on to the city, they're going to have some sort of confrontation or reason to flee because the Dark Friends are coming, mm-hmm. and then they're going to, like, hop in a, bed of hay on a truck for or a, truck, a wagon for a few chapters and now they're back in another town and let's have a tavern scene which I will say I do really like the tavern scene because I, I kind of like picturing myself in a tavern drinking a beer with my friends but <laughs> well that's more just a random fun thing but yeah that was kind of that was the one section the main section of this book that I kind of got, all right, let's move it along. Like I kind of, I kind of get it. And I, I understand, like you said, that he wants to show the world um, and all that. But I, it was getting a bit long winded from that point of view for me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair. Um, The, like there, that travel with, with Rand and Matt is not, one of the most memorable parts of the series for me, with the exception of the confrontation uh, between Tom and the uh, and the Fade. Yes, yes, that's because I'm like, oh, there are stakes. <laughs> yeah, you're
1: like, oh, like he's gonna, he could die. He could mm-hmm. die, and they leave, and they leave him for dead. Yeah. Um. So he's dead, right? Because <laughs> that's how these that's how these stories work.
0: Well they say uh, they say you need a body. <laughs> <No>. <laughs>
1: Although it's not a big fantasy is not quite as bad as comic books when it comes to that, mm. <laughs> that no. that's a whole nother level where if, uh, even if there is a body, it, almost if there's a bot well, yeah, where basically nobody's ever actually stays dead in comic book stories unless you're a villain in the, unless you're a villain in an origin story in the MCU <laughs> but
0: <laughs> in which yeah. case
1: you you served your purpose by introducing the hero by <laughs> <laughs>
0: basically uh
1: but uh any uh I I wanted to touch on Jordan well do you have anything specifically else you want to talk about for this episode um kind of I have some thoughts on Jordan's language um, so i I like overall, I like it a lot. Uh, it's it's kind of I was thinking of it as a mix between the so if if the spectrum of I don't want to use the word flowery because that's kind of I feel like there's kind of negative connotations with that in a way. but like, well, yeah, uh, not, well, for, not for me. that. right, we'll say all right. So, f- kind of more flowery, very beautiful language-based. Of say Tolkien or Rothfuss or Patrick Rothfuss, uh, as, as kind of or, well, if Tolkien is with Lord of the Rings is one is the one extreme, then and Brandon Sanderson is the extreme of language. It, not not that Sanderson's language isn't good because I think it is, but. His philosophy, his language, should get out of the way of the story. Mm-hmm.
0: You, have, you, have, uh, you have embellishing language with Tolkien and utilitarian language, that's much Sanderson. better than I could phrase
1: it. <laughs> but yes, and then I would, pers- I would say, I think Jordan is somewhere in the middle, more towards the Tolkien side, but like he he is more utilitarian at times, uh, and and not saying Tolkien isn't. Uh, I'm not learned enough in Lord of the Rings to, like, have this argument to debate anybody with about this, but...
0: Do you, um, think that Rothfuss is farther towards Tolkien than Jordan is?
1: You know, I would personally say no, because I would say I would say that Rothfuss is a I would say Rothfuss is a I don't want to say better job because, again, I don't want to, I don't want to, like, kind of pass judgment on certain writing choices from Jordan until we finish the series, but I kind of like Rothfuss, Rothfuss let you know when, hey, this is, Rothfuss lets you know when, hey, this is a part where I'm just gonna, like, things are happening, I'm gonna tell you very succinctly and specifically what's happening and kind of and I guess, I think dialogue is, I would guess, more the difference with Rothfuss and Jordan, where Rothfuss gets more, I think Rothfuss is, a, in some instances, gets more specific when his his dialogue when he needs to. Mm-hmm.
0: And there ain't nothing wrong with Rothfuss's vocabulary. No, uh, no. But he's trying to tell a more grounded story <laughs> you, than Jordan You can
1: it's. say that.
0: There's... So oh. the language will reflect that regardless of what the their writing habits are. Rothfuss has, has said that like he, he specifically tries to avoid it becoming too much, so, yes. the language becoming too mm-hmm. much, whereas I, I don't know what Jordan has said on the subject, but I doubt that he would put as much stock in being telling it like it is yeah and there are um
1: i think the biggest thing with that for me with jordan the biggest example of that for me is his descriptions of things uh there are some times where i love how he describes things and i'm like wow i can picture that exactly and this it's funny this is kind of how i describe tolkien's writing although i would say jordan doesn't do quite as good of a job as tolkien but anyways where that he does a great job of describing that I can picture that exactly, and so now I'm like, all right, I I don't need to hear any more about the mud on the roof of the buildings in this city. Tell me where the characters are going. <laughs> right. Um. But again, it, that again points to different the different types of stories. Especially with Rot, if you're going to compare Kingkiller Chronicle with Wheel of Time, mm-hmm. that. The Kvothe's journey is very different than Rand's. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and the big—I mean, that's an unfair comparison because Kvoth is like a Kvothe is Rothfuss is making a point and and critique on the type of character that Rand represents with Kvoth. so that's kind of an unfair, weird comparison. But right.
0: Yeah, a bit, a bit of the Apple store, just yeah. in that regard. Yeah. Um,
1: hmm. So we're hitting up close to our, our mark. Um, we are going to have another episode on Eye of the World. Uh, do you have any closing thoughts on things that we've talked about so far?
0: Um, well, let's see. We talked about the... Uh, the, the the opening the general uh, direction of the story some char- a few uh, character uh, a, stuff. a few character things um, and I think I'd like to leave the the magic for next episode
1: yes the, specifically the the magic the and the magic kind of the climax and a few other a few other character things I I'd like to leave for next time too um, so just kind of as a reference. Uh, for our listeners, this, for e- we are currently planning on doing two episodes per book for the Wheel of Time, as well as for uh, the Stormlight Archive. Uh, we'll be starting on. It'll be a, a little while
0: until we start the Stormlight episodes. Uh, um, I there is a possibility um, in the in the four, books four five and six realm that we that we decide to do three episodes <laughs> yeah right yeah just yeah uh
1: yeah that's yeah and like i was, like i was saying there's no we're not we don't have to do it it's not it doesn't have to be two episodes or just two episodes for one book and will there be any will there be any books you think will only need one for <laughs> specifically thinking of this this the dreaded dead zone that you you're telling me about, or do you think we should gift, probably gift uh, two episodes for every
0: book? Well, we'll see how long it takes for us to start babbling (laughs) (laughs) incoherently and madly. We'll go based on that.
1: That's fair. That's fair. And I'm sure again, plenty of listeners that have read the wheel of time are, again, as I said before, laughing at what John is saying. That's kind of laughing at me. (laughs) Um, oh,
0: we're, we're all we we'll feel sorry for you. <laughs>
1: yes, <laughs> uh, but yeah. So um, yeah. So stay tuned for that. Uh, that'll be um, again. That'll be one more episode for I of the World. Um, uh, so any anything else?
0: Uh, no, I think we'll uh, we'll wrap it up uh, next time.
1: All right. So again, this was the Acolytes of Merlin. I'm Johnny, and I'm John, and thanks for listening.